Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. It's Santa Mike here with a little end of year gift for listeners of the Lawyer Life Pod. Wait, you just call them, you just call them listeners? Yeah. You don't have like a cool podcast? No. List, like, like Lawyer Life Podsters? You no. could, no? LL Podlings? No? no. Oh, okay. I, I guess listeners is good. Anyway, uh, friend of the pod, Sarah Robertson, has offered a 20% discount on Lime Horse's online CPD courses. As we mentioned in past episodes of the pod, Sarah's work at Limehorse uses tech to give lawyers human-centered skills like mindfulness and emotional intelligence. Her courses are great. Many are backed by neuroscience and organizational development tools and feature several interactive lessons to help you earn your professionalism CPD how and when you want. Just visit limehorse.com and use the coupon code LawyerLifePod for a 20% discount at checkout. where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this season four, we focus on big ideas that will change our profession. And on today's episode, we look back at the year 2020. We're asking ourselves, what the hell was that? No, no, no way. We're asking ourselves if our year can be measured by those we spent time with. I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Oh, 2020. 2020. How do yeah. you recap 2020? I hope you have a good plan. Well, I, I have to say, I, part of my plan was to make a hindsight is 2020 joke. Good. Okay. Yeah. Check. Okay. Thank you. That was on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The plan for today, as we do every, this is our third calendar year of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of creating this podcast and sending it out to the masses and to those masses thank you for always listening we like to refer to you always as a mass um <laughs> the uh we always do a, a best of uh year year end episode so this is it but you had the lovely idea of channeling it through um some philosophy that you and i are both interested in Hmm. Well, let me ask you first, were you interested in the Stoic philosophy before we read The Ego is the Enemy as no. our book club pick? No. No. That was no. your first intro. Yep. Yeah. But now you're all in. <laughs> Love Stoicism. Really? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I am, it, is, it, it is teaching me good lessons, especially uh, during pandemic times. And uh, mm-hmm. one, one lesson from the Stoics that really has stuck with me and uh, is that, and it, it sounds morbid, but it's not when you frame it properly, is that we can leave this life at any point in time. It is possible that we go to bed one night and we don't wake up in the morning. That is available to all of us. And so the Stoics talk about how you need to effectively constantly remind yourself of that so that you know the hours before you go to bed, you are treating them potentially like they're your last hours. Like you're treating them as well as you possibly can. Uh, so that's one, one piece of Stoic philosophy that I really have latched onto and it's working quite well for me, but we are looking to today focus on a a different teaching of the Stoics. Before we get to that, can I just say that you being Stoic has some annoyances now though, because (laughs) earlier this week, 
something happened and uh, I felt the need to go into what is for me a rage, which uh, maybe doesn't look like rage for other people, but uh, I was very angry and you and I spoke about it and you were all like calm and stoic. And then I regretted introducing you to this philosophy. And I thought, this is not good. (laughs) I don't know if that response was informed by my newfound appreciation for the Stoics. That's funny because I am getting less measured as I get older. I think I went through a real phase where I was the ultimate measured. And lately, I think that I'm coming out of that a bit. So perhaps it's like an old person thing that happens. So I'm interested to discuss with you. Who's Darlene? Oh, she's that old person. (laughs) You know, that old one who flies into rages at the (laughs) slightest invitation. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But anyway, you were going to say we're going to we're going to get to the meaty topic of uh, a new stoic. Yeah. Third attempt to get there. Let's Let's go. You can do this. You got it. Okay. So um, one of the places that we go to to learn about the Stoics is a a great uh, daily podcast email uh, by the Daily Stoic. And a couple of days ago, the focus there was on basically that we're shaped by the people we spend time with and the examples that we observe from them. Um, and you suggested that would be a great frame to, for today's talk. And, and it really honestly is because we're going to go through, you know, the last year we had and the guests that we featured um, and the lessons that we learned from uh, a selection of them, as we always do at the end of every year to kind of recap what this podcast has delivered to us. And also hopefully you at home, uh, you know, you have some memories of these conversations and some things that you've taken and implemented in your life. And hey, wouldn't that be neat if the stuff I'm doing is the same stuff you're doing? So uh, are you ready for guest number one? I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Rachel Shipper, remember this chat? Routine, discipline, freedom. You need routine and discipline, and then you have freedom. And that's it. Routine, discipline, freedom. It's very, very simple. And sometimes it seems that it's so simple that you could just skip it. And that's the problem. From memory, that was. That's very good. That was, it stuck with me. I think about it a lot. I think about it in the morning when I'm having my glass of water. Because as you know, I'm yeah. not the best. I have to really force myself to drink water. But I do it. She's, she's had an influence there. Just this idea of routine and following a discipline as like an end in itself. That was yeah. her, her, her concept. And I found that helpful. What did you take away from it? So I think about her every morning as well. Um, because <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> because I continue <laughs> to eat the same breakfast every morning, basically. Right. Which is uh, a berry bowl with some yogurt and oats in it. And in this episode, she talked about how she the first thing she eats in the morning are vegetables, kind of like to implement it, to make sure it gets eaten, it gets out of the way. And I was like, hey, does my berry bowl count? She then delivered one of my favorite uh, retorts of the year of podcasting that we've done. And there was a long pause. And then she said, Mike, are <laughs> berries <right>. vegetables? <laughs> I think that was one of the biggest burns of you on the podcast. I do uh, mixed berries, like blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, D- every every morning be- before noon. Does that count? Well, as veggies, I'm going to ask you, Mike. I, are are those veggies? <laughs> no, but they have green. <laughs> I don't burn you very often. It's not my thing, but. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's good. And I, it was memorable yeah. for you. 
Although I haven't changed my practices at all. I still, I mean, I have smoothies from time to time, but the berry bowl is still the go-to. So I'm, I, you know, Rachel, I'm sorry. Uh, but yes, she talked about drinking water, having your veggies, taking some supplements that work for you, moving mm. and training your mind. Um, and who, you know, really looking at where we were headed, hindsight is 2020. But we, <laughs> these are great things to be practicing in these difficult times when there's so much stress, anxiety, and, you know, lack of options for physical activity, all that sort of stuff that, that we're faced with yes. our quarantining and isolating. And okay. Okay. Here's a, can I, can I ask you a, a quiz um, question before we move on? Mm-hmm. So we talked about kale in our episode with Rachel. Can you name at least one other, at least one other episode where we talked about kale? We talked about kale with Aaron Gerstenzang. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. I win. Good. What do I win? I don't, nothing. My Some kale. My ongoing respect and admiration. <laughs> kale from Mike's Garden? No? Next year. Oh my God. That's what we talked about with Aaron because Aaron is a lawyer in Atlanta, Georgia, and she was speaking to us. We were in a blizzard and she was growing kale in the hot sunshine. And uh, that was um, very interesting to us mm-hmm. that we discussed it. But bigger picture, I think what I remember about the Aaron discussion was the way that she is just so great at using her position of privilege um, and just her entrepreneurial get up and go, I guess, if I could call it that to help other people and lift people up and um, widen her circle all the time. That was my memory of that, of our interview. As well, her conversation about leveraging your privilege to help folks that are marginalized also uh, was a kind of rang true and especially was important as we went further into 2020 with Mm -hmm. the Black Lives Movement matter really coming to the fore and being, you know, the thing people were thinking about most. All of us on some level have privilege. And I know that I've benefited from opportunities that I didn't earn, you know, that it was, it was nepotism because I knew these lawyers around the country, they were willing to help me because other people other than me or something I hadn't necessarily earned. But I know how much that's pushed my career along by giving the, by being given the opportunity and um, being able to sort of meet those expectations. So the best thing you can do with that privilege is to try to use it and amplify the voices of people who maybe haven't had that privilege. A little bit for me, this is about making sure if there's a way to be helpful, I continue to now see the value in growing that. There is a very strong, cool circle of women uh, and men in Atlanta that are doing uh, very forward-thinking stuff on the legal tech side. That's how I first met Aaron. But, you know, Atlanta and Georgia became very important politically later this year. Um, And that was something that I really noticed kind of from interacting with Erin and seeing what she was up to and just this culture of really progressive political action and neat things going on in Georgia. Georgia on my mind. Okay. (laughs) What's next? Then lockdown happened, right? And our first guest, our obvious go-to, was our dear friend, friend of the pod, uh, Miss Sarah Robertson. And she talked about uh, that this is a black swan event, that, you know, what we are experiencing now is unlike anything else, that we all need to be accepting of the individual difficulties that we all might incur with um, 
you know, everything related to COVID. Uh, and she gave us some, some lovely tips and skills to get through it. That was such a strange conversation because at the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't want to talk about anything because it all felt like we didn't even know what to talk about or what to read or who to listen to. And she was very calming through that, I thought. Isn't that her way? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, we're, we're grieving, we're grieving, you know, our normalcy to an extent. And so, you know, we may have periods of feeling fine followed by periods of, you know, um, overwhelm or, um, you know, periods of depression or feeling fatigued and, and that that is both normal and expected and okay. And try not to judge what we're experiencing right now and understanding that, you know, the really, you know, the only, the only way out of this is, is through, it is like a, you know, it is a grieving process that we, we need to make our way through what's happening. And, and that's challenging too, because it, it's changing as rapidly as our emotions are. On this, on this note, have you found that your practices, whether it be meditation, uh, breathing, all that sort of stuff, are you better at it now than you were pre-pandemic? Are you the same? Are you worse? Where, where are you at on that? better on all fronts, but not throughout the pandemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, at the moment, better. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I've really noticed uh, is is noticing. I'm very aware of, like, you can't distract. There are no distractions right now. So I'm aware of what I'm, where my feelings yeah. are so I can, like, deal with them. As opposed to before, I think I was just kind of too busy sometimes to even notice how I felt. And then I would kind of not be doing the right things. And right now, I think that managing state of mind is top of mind. I mean, you know, for lack of a better word, I think about it actively all the time, because it's actually a lot harder to do. And it's there's nothing else to do. So might as well manage your state of mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you feel that way? I do. I have and again, not consistently, and it hasn't been like a, you know, straight line up upward on this front. But right now, I agree with you that these set months have really forced an awareness of how I'm doing mentally. There's more of an imperative to try to keep yourself right. Um, I don't then before, which whether it's like you know, you're busy or at least there's different stuff going on. So there's like, you know, a diversity of experience that maybe your brain likes. I don't know. I think it's outlets. Like yeah, just that's a good way to put it. Ways to kind of, um, you know, I people often say you sort of come to really know yourself when you are just with yourself. And that's kind of what it's yeah. like. No offense to the family. They're here too. But um, it's been a very, if you take a wide circle of life pre-pandemic, it's a very small circle of life now. Yeah, totally. I yeah. agree. So I have, um, I am meditating now more than I ever have, certainly, um, and mm. feel that good effect. Me too. And Sarah Robertson would be so impressed with us. Mm -hmm. Definitely, this is the year that I've meditated the most of any year of my life, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's because of that, it's harder to manage that the mental stuff going on without that as a tool. And also mindfulness is becoming a very, uh, you know, people understand the benefits and I think I understand them better than ever before. Yeah. I think it's also, I'm just realizing it is, it, it, it is exactly what you said. Whereas like before, let's say that like it was 2 PM during a work day and I was kind of up against a wall before it would be like, if I was in office, um, you know, saying to somebody, Hey, let's go grab a coffee and getting a bit of a social experience and, you know, 
the getting up from the seat and whatever. That's good. Now, if I'm hitting a wall at two o'clock, I I do sometimes just be like, okay, I get to, I'll go meditate for 20 minutes. And, um, mm-hmm. that's not really as available to a lot of folks who are in a, like a real office environment. I know some people have like meditation rooms or whatever, if, you know, a few offices have that, but it's still kind of weird and not as comfortable as certainly like just being at home and doing it. So maybe it is like a unique opportunity to try to bring some of the stuff into your life. And I, and I, and I do often feel after I do that, would you rather have a lawyer that's been like working 11 hours straight and now going onto your file? Or would you rather have a lawyer that just meditated for 20 minutes and gets onto your file? <laughs> it's like so clear to me, the work I do after I take that time is infinitely better, more efficient, more in depth. The focus is great. So yeah, a lot of Sarah's tips not only help us to get through the pandemic and everything it's brought, but also I think help us deliver good work product. I, I do think there's a reason mindfulness in law and in some other professions that require a lot of focus is, is becoming a big deal. And this year it's been a, a lifesaver for, for sure. Uh, I also love, you know, Sarah, however many, I think, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, coached on box breathing and stuff like that. Now I'm reading books um, this year where I kind of got to, and then one of the, you know, the recommendations are try box breathing. I'm like, <laughs> I know how to do that. I'm on it. Exactly. I've been box breathing since 2018. Oh, yeah. Totally true. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Maybe 19. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Well, these are, this is good. Who's next on your list? They were our friends, our, our peers, our associates, uh, Vivian Long and Chris Sands. And also me. I guess I was yeah. also kind of a guest on this one because we worked on some stuff together, the three of us. Um, to discuss what are the like, you know, the best solves for in-house uh, legal problems. And the thing that I found as we like worked on the top five list together, uh, you know, I'm still, uh, uh, you know, wet behind the ears, I guess, in the profession a little bit, especially compared to Vivian and Chris. Uh, and I was really, uh, it, it made me feel good that the, that the five things I listed were the same as, as they, as, that, that they listed that the, um, you know, thoughts I had on in-house life were, uh, affirmed by, by what they had, um, seen as well. And that the solutions actually, uh, are common and implementable. And so that's a, it's a good episode. I think if you work in an in-house environment or really any office environment and you want to try to find some ways to solve some common problems. Yeah. And that was sort of our first toe in the water of doing talking about our substantive work because the point of this podcast has always been to help improve the profession and give back and you know just generally improve the types of conversations that we're having about lawyers and what it's like to be a lawyer and we've we don't really dive into the specifics of our work that often so uh, that was a fun one for that reason and I think interesting for the team members to uh to join us on the podcast. Yeah. We should get more of that next year. We did uh we did enjoy doing that. I did. I did enjoy doing that. Um and then one of uh my favorite episodes of the year, one of the ones we've got great feedback on, one that you can get EDI hours if you are an Ontario lawyer, if you listen to, we had a great talk with Hadia Roderick. Um which was mm-hmm. uh, obviously so important for a number of reasons, the timing, the subject matter, the opportunity to learn from Hidea and her great experience. You can grow from saying the wrong thing, then having a discussion about it, learning what the right thing is, and not doing that again. And you are going to mess up in your anti-racist journey. Everybody's going to mess up. No one's 
perfect. You know, no one got on a bike when they were five and was immediately Clara Hughes. Um, even Clara Hughes wasn't Clara Hughes when she was five. But you're not going to get anywhere if you don't move. You know, it's like you're, if you, you can either choose to tread water in the middle of the lake or you can, you can choose to swim. And swimming is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. Your muscles are going to get stronger. You're going to become a better swimmer. So I, I, I think that, that that is the best option. And another thing is, I think when it comes to equality, there is a sensation that people think that they're going to be losing something. But what do you lose when less people get shot by the cops? Like what, what is the loss to you? if we have equality, if we have less police brutality against black bodies, it's not like we're trying to drag people down to the way that black people are treated. We're trying to lift everybody up to the same place. So why do you feel like it's a loss for other people to be treated with the same humanity that you get? And I, that's something I'd like people to think about and reflect on. One of the things that we should take away most from, from the year uh, that we had when we talk about time we spent with people uh, is that now is the time where folks of privilege need to open up their eyes and ears to what actually is going on for folks um, that are marginalized and don't have that same privilege that we do. Uh, and to be not just not racist, but to be actively anti-racist and to try to see times where somebody is being treated unfairly, point them out and try to remedy that problem um, while using your privilege and not just hoping and praying that the person who's incurring the poor treatment can find a way to deal with it. Um, and, and, and this episode, I think, pairs quite well, and that's why we did the repost of a, uh, an episode from last year with Catherine, our lovely friend of the pod. Um, and, and she had similar um, guidance and advice uh, about actually noticing how small things can make a really big difference when it comes to belonging uh, in a workplace mm -hmm. and in the community and otherwise. So two great resources, uh, both uh, you can get EDI credits, as I mentioned, uh, if you are an Ontario lawyer. Um, and I just am so grateful for Hadia for hopping on and, and having that conversation with us. One of the things that was so great about that discussion is that she wrote a very important article um, called Black on Bay Street. And I really was interested as, in her perspective as to what had changed. And it was really timely with the, uh, with the summer that we had with George Floyd, with Black Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, her, her assessment on the pod is that it hadn't changed enough, if at all. Um, and I think that I have thought of that many times as I've been trying to deal with, um, you know, grappling with where diversity comes up in our practice, where it can be improved. And I've, I've noticed a lot, you know, like diversity is a, is an active thing, right? It's like it, people say that love is a verb, you know, like diversity is, is actually a verb or like making, making your workplace diverse has a lot to do with it. It's sort of like not asking the person who always you know, speaks first to always speak first or, you know, like it's this act active awareness that I've been uh, sort of trained on, I guess, from talking to Hadia and Catherine Chang. So it's a, a every day trying to improve type of thing and being willing to fall down, make mistakes, but try, you know? Yeah. Speaking of impactful appearances, then next uh, in terms of guests uh, on the pod was Judah Straczynski. Yeah. As you run down these episodes, a number of them have achieved, I guess, at least for me, the purpose that we, we set out with, which was to leave a couple of helpful tips that will improve your practice overall, right? Like not just in the office, outside the office, but 
yeah, Judah was great. Just reminding lawyers about, you know, diligent investigation of a file and checklists so that you make fewer mistakes that are uh, easily avoidable. and All you need. Um, so anyway, thanks, Judah. And I also yes. have to say, <laughs> I am very proud of myself for constantly pronouncing his last name properly. It's really, it is good. It is Mr. not Chins- an easy one. I love it. <laughs> Anyway, um, Good. next is our, my, my dear old friend, uh, and, uh, I guess your friend now, two episodes in is, uh, uh, Lily Cooden, new mother at the time. She was so great to come. I think her baby was seven weeks old when we did that. And that is one of the episodes I refer people to most often because I get a lot of questions about being a mom with kids and, often those questions come to me from people who are still practicing in a traditional firm. And I think it's, I can give them my perspective, but I am not practicing in a big firm, um, in a bureaucratic structure. My experience, I'm very aware is my experience. So I I often point them to that episode because she is uh, newer in her career and has had two children at a big firm. And she has a lot of really important advice and some good ideas about what to level the playing field a bit. Someone has to, whether you have a nanny or daycare, someone has to be home at a certain point for the child. And I've had um, female friends say, I asked my husband to go home and, you know, go, go do daycare pickup that day. And he said to me, I can't. It's acceptable for you to leave at 530 to be at daycare by six, but it's not acceptable for me to do that. And you understand. I mean, it's it, it's very unfortunate, but in, in a lot of ways, it's true. And so I I think one of the things we need to be working on is normalizing the equal sharing. Mm-hmm. I think w- when we talk about giving women more opportunities, like what we're doing is sort of adding to their workload, mm-hmm. but not expecting that by integrating women more into the workforce and so on, there there has to be someone picking up the slack. And who better than the other biological parent of that child, yeah. biological or not biological? That was one of the episodes we recorded pre-pandemic and then sat on for a while because we just, no one knew what you were supposed to do. We thank Lily for hanging in with us until we we posted that episode. It was still perfectly on point, especially in the thick of uh, parenting. Yeah. And it became more on during the pandemic. Really? It did. Yeah. Yeah. It did. The yeah. I realized, uh, so looking back at the year, the, in terms of hours billed or hours worked, whatever, the busiest I was this year was in the month of May when we were still in the thick of it. And my wife and I were switching half days parenting the kids. I don't know how I got through that month. That seems insane, insane to me looking back now to be the busiest I've ever been while also only working half days more or less and then into the evening to make up for it uh, for a whole month. Isn't that like, do you have moments where you're looking back and thinking how, how did, how was that a thing? I don't know why, but I don't really remember how lack of sleep is why you don't remember lack of sleep is not my like I always kind of have a lack of sleep Um, (laughs) but I felt like it was a lot of just kind of doing what had to be done just doing it in the moment very present yeah you know yeah so yeah crazy then there was Mike Whalen who is like the one of the what what, how would you define it like online voices of you know evolving the legal profession how would you, he's yeah, just so out he's there. He's sort of an online, he calls himself a nerd impresario, which actually is not a terrible name for, I mean, he's sort of an ambassador for us. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, making contracts interesting, making talking about law firms interesting. I, I enjoyed that interview a lot and the book a lot. Mm-hmm. I was made fun of for on the episode, to be clear. Yeah. And and it should be said that you just appeared with Mike in a episode of Contract Takedown, which is very much worth uh, watching, where you uh, tear down. go through the tear up the Salesforce uh, SaaS agreement. And right. it was great. You know, it's so funny people should that. check that out. Thank you. I've met a lot of really interesting people thanks to that appearance. So yeah, check it That's out good. if you're into SaaS contracts. <laughs> I noticed that you used a different uh, Zoom background than you normally do. Which I, one of the things about this, I was saying to my wife, we're watching the news last night and I was saying, you know, when this is all over, I'm really going to miss seeing reporters' basements, you know? <laughs> there was, oh man, that took like I do minutes. love like just seeing a little bit into a person's life, whether, you know, whether it's the, you know, in my case, like the attic office or people who are like in their condo kitchens or whatever. Like, I really do love it. It's, it is, it is neat. And so for, for this thing, I, I noticed that you found a different wall with a piece of art that I've never seen before. Um, so that was notable obviously yeah. for me. Yeah. I don't know what was going on. I basically needed to use paper because, and I was made fun of this roundly, but you know, talking about an agreement on camera, you can't look at it on the screen. It can't be scrolling your phone while you're, anyway, there were some logistical challenges so I don't usually need, uh, anyway, it was fun. I had a really good time doing it and, yeah. um, it seems to be a popular show. There's a bunch of other episodes and, uh, it's put on by law insider. So yeah, it's cool. Great. And then last, so that, so in terms of pros, people, you know, grizzled vets on the broadcasting side, uh, Lily and then Mike. We talked to David Mosscrop, gr- speaking of grizzled veterans, which I think oh, I didn't mention Dave. I think he would appreciate us calling him that, given a good chunk of our political chat focused on. He's the most grizzled for sure. Yeah, exactly. It was actually a topic. <laughs> I thought for sure that's where you were going because Graham is not grizzled. He is a podcast yeah. veteran, but he is actually, you know, a clean cut individual. I thought you were going for David, who said he's been oh. sporting a beard since pre-COVID. And he's, yes. yeah, so we talked about that. But yeah, that was a really fun episode. The, the uh, political, our first dip of a toe into the political chat. And we got a lot of good feedback on that one. I would say American democracy is not indicative of the health of democracy around the world. As a rule, American democracy is often extraordinarily ill. Uh, it And routinely has been in crisis from pretty much day one. So you know, we, we often, there's a disconnect between how we sort of lionize or mythologize American democracy and what it really is in practice. That said, it, it might recover. A Biden administration would probably go a long way towards trying to rebuild it, but only if they took seriously the structural problems, which would include, you know, legal reform and so on and so forth. But also, I would say that the, the redistribution of resources to some extent, because, you know, democracies are vulnerable when inequality rises. That's a great predictor of, of serious trouble and decline. And then Graham, who is uh, the first, I think, lawyer podcaster we've had. Uh, and a really great episode focusing on how lawyers can be lawyers, but also have separate passions and pursue those passive passions often as they work and that it doesn't have to be uh, a binary thing between, you know, doing your profession and also doing something that you really enjoy or love. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really fun chat and uh, nice to connect with other lawyer podcasters. Now there's much that I love about the practice of law, but I need 
another different, bigger creative outlet. And that's what cooking professionally provided for me. And that's what the podcast does for me now. It keeps me, you know, it doesn't keep me in that world, but it keeps me connected to that world. And it's just so completely different from what I do with the rest of my day that I find it rejuvenating. I think that's really the answer. Okay. Is that everybody? I think so. The last thing is, we, we've obviously spent time together uh, <laughs> speaking about, yes. um, you know, that your year and your, your, your progression can be informed by people that you spend time with. And I do want to say, uh, say Darlene, I think I probably am corny at the end of every year when we do these uh, roundups uh, episodes. But um, I do feel like you are that for me. You're one of those people that uh, keeps me, um, you know, focused on improvement and on uh, making sure that uh, it's not just a traditional sort of metric in terms of improvement. It's not about, you know, what the, how much revenue I've brought in this year or, you know, awards or accolades or whatever, but, um, you know, what you do for this podcast and what you do for our association as well, or so to speak firm, I guess, uh, is, is have people focus on, uh, you know, a, a holistic view of their lives and if the, and if they are fulfilled. Uh, so thank you for that. It's, it's nice to check in once every couple weeks, uh, with a focus on that. So uh, I appreciate it. That's not corny. You're getting less corny, but I very much appreciate it. <laughs> and I will be corny in return. <laughs> You're getting less corny might be the second best burn that, uh, that there's <laughs> only slightly burning. less corny, but like markably. <laughs> so, um, no. And that was my thinking on the, on the suggestion for the episode, this idea that you are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. The interesting effect of this podcast over the past couple of years is that every week or two, we are forced to think about self-improvement because we're going to talk about it on the podcast. So in that way, uh, we have spent that time and you do it. I mean, it's a two-way street, right? I think I'm always interested in the self-improvement, but you're, you know, interested in it as well. And I think it's not fun being interested in things by yourself. And it, it is very great to have this open forum and just to see how the theory that these ideas are relevant to law firms and business works is very helpful to me. If I was a, if I was a team of one, none of this would be <laughs> fun. Um, and I, I think it is funny because all of this stuff is very relevant to running a practice, you know? It really is. And that was the theory back in the day. So anyway, hopefully other people are finding that soon. And thank you for being my mentor on all things podcasting and recording and editing. And my Lord, I have come a little. I'm your Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That's the opposite of a burn. Yeah. Mike, the podcast Lord. You can title the episode that. Uh That will be good. No, thank you. Yeah. No? No. Okay. That would be good. Not going to happen. Not going to (laughs) happen. Uh, not gonna do it anyway not thank you for another year of pod the other thing is it was really hard it was really hard to broadcast during covid and to find the time and st- make yes. sure that we did it and i think the fact that we're still doing it is a testament to the fact that we see value and hopefully other people do as well yeah for sure uh and speaking of routine great segue uh anyway. we're going to take a break and come back with our goods and grapes The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. 
Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. Uh, I have a gripe. Okay. <laughs> it's not the one you think. My gripe okay. is when trying to thank someone cornily for all that they do as your co-host on the podcast, you get all choked up and uh, need to be edited, <laughs> <laughs> which is no thank you at all. But anyway. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, yeah. I get a little choked up. I'm far more emotional this year, but yes. Uh, so maybe you can just edit out a whole bunch of that. But anyway, that's no. my gripe. <laughs> not the other gripe. There was a joke. It's emo, Darlene. Yeah, emo. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really you can start with Love a good, emo. though. I just had to get the grape out of there straight away. Yeah. My good is uh, Home Alone, the movie. Oh, yeah. What a fantastic. It's just so fantastic. It's truly fantastic. It's fantastic. Good gracious. Kevin's dad is such a terrible piece of crap. Oh, <laughs> useless. <laughs> He's so useless. We just watched Home Alone 2 last night. Picture your kid being lost last year and being at an airport and you're trying to get your kid to hurry up and you run ahead of them before you get to the What kind of no. kind of person? You'd like Kevin's backpack dad? them in the second trip to the airport. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I love it. Is that a John Hughes movie? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, he wrote it and then I think Chris Columbus directed okay. it. Right. Got you. That's a very solid movie. I've seen that movie many, many times. Yeah. Great film. Lovely. Love it. Okay. Yeah. It was his greatest commercial success. Yeah. Huge, yeah. huge movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have a good, my good, I don't know if you're following this. Are you watching this drum battle between Nandy, I think her name is Nandy Bushel and Dave Grohl on YouTube? You watching Is she this? the little kid? She's the kid. She's 10. And she is at least, I think that's the, the, that's my memory of how old she is, but she's like a drum virtuoso. And she, uh, there's a great video on YouTube of her playing Everlong by the Foo Fighters. And then she challenged Dave Grohl, who's one of the nicest human beings in, in music. And she said, you know, I challenge you, Dave Grohl, to a drum battle. And he is just like right into it because he's such a, like, if you've ever seen the Foo Fighters live, he's just a really personable person and he is making this a big deal for her so it's cool to watch really neat like a feel-good story for COVID times you know and she's I have I have another uh, good and and you might be able to can you hear the recorders in the background my kids I can yes (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of giving me memories of having a recorder myself yeah what a mistake it is to have a recorder in the house anyway (laughs) it is it is um my other good my good is, have you heard of or watched the show Ted Lasso yet? No. Okay. So it's Jason Sudeikis. It's an Apple Apple Plus show, I guess. Yeah. Um, he is an American football coach that gets hired by a uh, English football team, like a soccer team. Um, and he goes to the UK and he is a like, you know, I think he's from Nebraska or Ohio or something, his character. Uh, but anyway, he's the most positive lovely underestimated person and then he goes over there and it's it is a it's a show that kind of makes you feel like shit's creek like kind of just like positive and fun and nice and you love these people and we flew through it in the last like week and a half 
Um, great show. Great show. I love it. I like that you bothered to ask me if I've seen a show that you didn't recommend. Like the answer to that is always no. (laughs) I don't think I've found any of my own shows. And I don't. The services should give me a fee for every show you watch. I am like not high on their list of priority customers. They're probably trying to analyze what is wrong with this account that it's so (laughs) rarely used and then used for such random shows. And they're all, yeah, you know, they're all sourced by you. So anyway, you know my feelings about TV. So thank you for this recap. This has been fun. I agree. Uh, Thank you for a great year. And thanks everybody for listening. Um, We continue to really appreciate uh, you to come on board with this. If you haven't yet, we would love if you could please rate, review, comment on the podcast. It helps uh, the podcast reach more people. And we always are hoping to do that to try to spread uh, the good lessons that we learn. So anyway, uh, that'd be cool if you could do that for us. Uh, But uh, otherwise, uh, we will talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.